0: Hello, welcome to Chronic Correlations podcast with your hosts Fiona and Danny. By the Please note all of our podcasts is for information only and is not medical advice. Please seek the correct medical advice from a registered medical professional. So today we have a very um, lovely guest, an important guest too, and it is Marcia. And how are you today, Marcia? Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey guys, how are you?
2: Hi I'm Marcia. De- Hello. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm very well. Thank you Marcia.
0: I've just been chasing cockerels and sheep today Marcia. So um, it's been a quite an incredible day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that sounds exciting. I would love to see that happen. Not sure if I would like to chase them, but definitely watch.
0: <laughs> it would make a good TikTok video, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> it certainly would. <laughs>
0: So I thought we'd let you start off, uh, Marcia, and I thought you'd like to introduce yourself if you don't mind.
1: Ah, yes, Uh, so my name is Marcia Pareto, I am a doctor of physical therapy, Uh, I am based in Boca Raton, Florida, in the United States. Uh, I am uh, originally from Brazil, from South Brazil, exactly, Um, and uh, wow, it has been... 24 years uh, in practice, and the last 12 uh, only working exclusively pretty much with uh, connective tissue disorders and uh, and Ehlers-Danlos syndromes. Uh, I'm a patient as well. I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, so it's another uh, perk that I carry that I have to also learn to balance things and i guess it helps me be a better clinician for my patients because i get to feel everything that goes on um yeah i guess and i am married i have a daughter a 20 year old daughter that also has hypermobile illness syndrome and i have two stepkids, two boys already grown up and out of the house
2: (laughs) oh fabulous so we were going to talk obviously we the, the podcast is for the patient by the patient and as you said Marcia you're a patient yourself um I want I think our listeners like maybe to hear a little bit more about your experience of of ehlers syndrome and or head specifically uh of your own experience being a clinician uh being a
1: clinician okay so let's just start with that um so being a clinician, it really started as, uh, it was more like a blessing in disguise, I would say, because I was diagnosed with something wrong with my collagen. And that, uh, that that's all I knew. So I had to start on a search to figure out what that exactly meant uh, in order to recover. And that put me in this research spiral where... Um, I had to literally narrow down to connective tissue disorders and then furthermore to the hypermobile ehlers danlos syndrome, which and then made me uh, then bring uh, and bring into the knowledge of being a, for the knowledge that I had as a physical therapist, right? And being a, a specialist in musculoskeletal and movement. So get that knowledge and put it together with uh, a connective tissue disorder, uh, and then figured out how to rehab myself. That's, that's just how it started, honestly. Um, and then from there, figuring out what worked, what didn't work, get myself at a disability, and then finally, uh, you know, figuring out. And then, then the physician's just like, I don't know what you have, uh, i don't know what this patient has but i know you fixed yourself so can you try to do about the same and help her or help him and that's kind of how it really started 12 years ago it was uh, it was just a, a trial and error and learning and every day is learning right because there is no certain no such thing as a specialist in in analyst from the point of view of uh, uh, the medical right what exists is an expert they're experts clinicians that develop knowledge based on practicing it on daily basis and uh, studying and researching on daily
2: basis in order to provide care definitely and obviously like I said you have more of a unique perspective having uh, been diagnosed yourself um so for our listeners I think that is um very reassuring then um in some ways because you've been through this yourself you know and and you've helped yourself a lot haven't you Marcia um with with your, your own kind of uh, the ways that you've taken care of your own health then uh yes so
1: um it was pretty much find out why the surgical protocol that uh was given to me and and uh, it's it's the other uh The other funny thing is that I was uh, back then uh, as a hip specialist, right? Uh, And rehabbing patients and athletes that had the type of surgery and the type of diagnosis I had for my hip, which Mm -hmm. was a labral tear. All of a sudden, I couldn't rehab myself. I was failing the traditional Mm -hmm. protocol. So that was like the biggest piece of the puzzle that I was trying to figure out why, um, and three surgeries later, I was literally uh, on a wheelchair, unable to really follow the regular protocol. So I had to go back to, to my surgeon, sit with him, and, and he couldn't figure it out. He didn't know why. Uh, and then we just start trying and, and figuring out what could we do to change it. And that's pretty much how the whole thing started. You know, how, Let's figure out what we can and cannot do. Well, it's collagen. If the collagen is frail, it will take longer to heal. So let's delay the protocol. Let's change certain things that you are noticing they are causing more pain. And then there is the, all the, other, the, the rest of the, the, the story and, and with the illness, right? Which uh, I ended up having it triggered severely because there were two surgeries with uh, se- uh, seven weeks Um, uh, difference, which it's a type of surgery that takes about a year and a half to have a second one done. So that was another uh, issue that ended up triggering all the other systemic uh, uh, diagnoses that are part
2: of the Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, you know. Sure. And obviously, from my perspective, then, and my research into zinc deficiency, um, I have uh, lots and lots of publications to support that any type of surgery reduces the level of zinc in the body. Um so so from my perspective that's where obviously we've we've uh, come together then isn't it Marcia because we've noticed some of the same things, a lot of the same things. Um again some of the methods if if you'd like to say to explain to our uh listeners some of the things that you put you, I mean everybody's different as we know in Ellis Danos, but then lots of people follow the same sort of models so so if our listeners you could tell them like some of the things you've done that have helped you uh well the,
1: definitely the first thing was uh figuring out my gut uh, I think uh, one of the first things I realized was that uh, my gut was not uh, with the surgeries with the medication um, and even prior to the surgery, all the medications that I was placed on uh, for pain and, and inflammation literally destroyed my body and its ability to recover. So, what I went from being extremely, let's say, not extremely healthy because I had the EDS before, they just didn't know what those symptoms were, but... Being healthy overall, eating healthy and all that, all of a sudden I was in a situation where I couldn't digest anything, where I couldn't heal, all my joints were aching, were hurting, I couldn't control Um uh, even, even my bladder, it was like sneeze in a pee kind of situation, right? right. <laughs> yeah. I think so we can all
2: relate there, can't we? Yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> it was like embarrassing. You kind of hit the bath, you head to the bathroom because you know, you get a brace and then you got a walker, and then uh, you have to get to the bathroom and then you got to get the brace off, and then you have to get the pants off, and then you're like, yeah, whatever, it's over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, totally agree. I mean, I can agree with you now, that front because I've had a double-label tear as well, like you, uh, Marcia. And I also had a pincer and cam impingement in both hips. And the worst thing is, is when you've had this type of surgery and you have to shower or go to the toilet and you're on a walker or you're on crutches, it is the hardest thing to do, I can assure you. And just to squat as well is really difficult And oh from, yes.
2: I was going to say, from my point of view, girls, I've never—I ha- haven't had the hip surgery, but for me, as as you know, and I think some of our listeners on my Instagram will see. I I have to wear wrist braces a lot of the time, and actually, I find that really limiting when going to toilet because I can't undo my own trousers, I can't pull them down, I can't pull them back up, and I can't wipe myself. <laughs>
1: Oh so- <laughs> I I relate, I relate to you on that because with my finger subluxations and my thumb dislocations and the, the, the ligaments on the wrist of that I actually have managed to rip them all. It's not fun at all. I have a ways that I adapt my toothbrush, the holding my yeah. toothbrush. And uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, oh God, yes. And then with the walker and the crutches, you're pressing on
2: the on the yeah. I can't hand. use walkers and crutches personally uh, because I have further complications if I do
1: yes yeah, exactly so now think put it all that together with your hip not functioning and your bladder not holding and it, it's just like it, it, yes it, it wasn't fun it was just uh now we laugh but then it was so sad
0: <laughs> yeah we do yeah.
2: that's it and a lot of our listeners are at different stages of their their journey in this in EDS, so. So for us laughing, like I said, but for somebody who's in early diagnosis, these things can be very distressing because it's so limiting on your life and it affects every aspect of your life, as we as we've said.
1: Yeah, and and I honestly I feel like we go through the five the the all the five stages of grief. It's it's no joke when we find we we are diagnosed. We're literally. Um, you know we deny we first like no it's not that and that's what I did at least I went through and and I think we kind of and I think science has already shown that we don't follow them in an exact order and sometimes we skip or go back to some of them but I can tell you when I was first told I had I was like nope no that's not me that's wrong and then I um and then I went through the bargaining phase and then I really got depressed the depression part I think is the one that we sit the longest, right? Uh, I, I, well, Of course, I went through the anger phase. I was so pissed, at why did it happen to me? And why me? And then eventually when I got into the depression part of it, I think it was the longest time I stayed. And that's probably where I feel like um, I did the biggest the favor to my health Uh, because I didn't want to eat correctly or I didn't want to eat the right things. I didn't want to do my therapy because it would hurt. And I'm a therapist. And I'm Mm. like, I just don't want to do this. This is hurting. I just don't understand. I give up. And it wasn't until I accepted and I made friends with the enemy. And that's what I tell all my patients. Until you make friends with the enemy, you you won't be able to ignore that pink elephant in the room. Forget about it. It's there. You got all those symptoms. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't let anyone tell you it's not there, right? It's there. It's a pink elephant It's pretty big, has gotten bigger as you went through the other phases. And then all of a sudden, you can't ignore anymore. So once you accept, make friends with the enemies, That way, that's when you start making progress. That's when I realize, I'm like, oh my God, I am losing muscle by the minute. I am barely able to actually get I and I live in a three floor townhouse I still live in the same place and and I was just stranded in my room upstairs so uh at that point I'm like I gotta realize I'm losing strength I'm losing my, my gut is is a mess uh, I have more pain now in parts that I never had pain um I gotta do something about it so that's when I started fixing my gut supplementation right I went into several types of supplements like quercetin, zinc is one of the big ones. I actually went into zinc, vitamin D3, vitamin C. Uh, I start doing a good probiotic. I start eating a healthy diet. I realized there were things that I used to tolerate before that then I wasn't tolerating, so I had to change my diet. And with that, I start having the energy to be able to then do my trial and errors of exercises. And that's when I started really making, you know, snails is nail move is nail speeds uh, a progress, but
0: I started moving forward. Then. I think yeah. that's the thing. I think it's important. I think diet is crucial, said um, the yeah, mafia, because the problem is, I think I don't know. We can speak. Me and Danny from the diet point, you know, a yes, lot of patients don't know
2: experiences, isn't it? The three of us here are now talking about our own experiences and what we've done and we've seen changes in ourselves haven't we is what we're trying to to get across here so we can speak from our own experience so your experience fee like you like you were going to explain then
0: yeah I mean I you know I can only speak from my own experience but like I say you know people have to seek the correct medical professional advice from a registered professional because I can only talk about my own experience but you know I changed like you said Marcia um, so I changed my diet to Mediterranean diet um, I took zinc, I was eating more healthy foods, less type of additive based or food colourant based or fast food. And the amount of energy you notice and the changes as well, you know, your body functions better, like even like with me, um, just by taking the changes alone, my vasculitis went and also taking the zinc and my hypertension went you know completely went back down to normal and i had more energy less brain fog mm-hmm. and you know my body felt 10 times better and actually mentally as well feeding your body the right things does help in many different processes of regulation of the body but also mental health as well because when people are deficient in things like vitamin d it's been linked with things like anxiety and depression as well and, and heart I've...
2: and heart conditions and all sorts yeah of things. totally Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, and there's so
1: many reactions or or, uh, that have chemical reactions that happen in your body, they're dependent on zinc by itself, right? But even others, even other, of course, other, there are other things in the body that requires not only zinc, but other
2: uh, um, nutrients. Yeah, so things like other things require vitamin D or vitamin C for the processes to work. Exactly, and then we have to remember
1: too. So that's that's kind of what the part that for me is so huge uh, to co- to have a conversation with my patients, and and some of them really need a serious uh, follow up with a, a qualified uh, professional in the nutrition and uh, uh, in the nutrition uh, profession, right? Uh, where um, if I, if I don't get them to have a good So if they don't get good nutrients in there, then if they don't absorb those nutrients, then if they don't utilize those nutrients, so there's a lot of little things that have to happen. It's not just like, oh, yeah, eat healthy and everything's going to be all right. Well, if there is no, if there's these nutrients that are not being digested properly and used by the body correctly, it's so we're still in the same place. So that's the same thing with vitamins and, and, and minerals and things that we take. Uh, if, if our um, microbiome is not to the point where it is absorbing these things or breaking them down or even taking them down from food and utilizing in the body so the body can actually utilize. Uh, I can get this patient and try to exercise them for their life and and that will not be a good result because they don't have what it takes for me to strengthen them so it comes from inside out.
2: Yeah so in in some respects as well I mean from my perspective with the zinc research over exercising is is counterproductive because actually you're losing more vitamins uh, when you sweat because you deplete them Um, your body then is trying to repair processes from the exercising the over-exercising when you don't have enough th- uh, nutrients as you said to begin with for those processes to work because ultimately the human body needs certain vitamins as you said for certain processes oh. if you change the I- input of something you then change the output and the, f- the the certain pathways can't then function and work as they normally would so they have to make substitutions for example as we know in amino acids there's amino acid substitutions found in Ellis syndrome, certain types. Um, there's lots of, the, as we said, the knock-on effect then through the whole body. It's not just one process that's affected. Um, so, for example, with the zinc, then, we know it's involved in over 300 enzymes. That That's a lot of enzymes, isn't it, Marcia? <laughs> Definitely. That is a lot of enzymes. And you see, the thing as well
1: is... Uh, it, there is so little that we know still about Ehlers-Danlos or hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos, right? Yeah. Uh, to be more exact. So we still don't understand. And then if we bring the fact of the epigenetics. So now if that person is an- I'm happy you bringing this
0: up.
2: Yes, oh, we're that's very happy we're very happy we're talking about epigenetics Genetics, because they, we have to talk about it they can't you see
1: that is the biggest problem that i see in and in, in health overall and for many reasons it's not just because it's not wanted to be looked at but the way uh, it's a structure nowadays doesn't allow us to sometimes put all these things together. But if we have the great a great medication, but we have a patient that's in an environment that is not helping them to heal, doesn't matter what you give them, because it's external. Healing comes from inside out. So they need to have a strong psychological support, strong emotional support. Uh, the environment needs to be right. They need to be able to get the access to the right foods, access to the right hydration, uh, family support. I mean, all this counts. I mean, if this is a, a a home environment that is not healthy, right? I have I have walked in as a home health therapist several years ago. I would walk in into some homes that I couldn't believe someone lived in there because there was like mold coming down the walls and, and like, Dust and they had animals they couldn't care for. And we, I was like, oh my God, this person's is sick because the environment they're in, they're never going to get better.
2: So all this needs to be taken into consideration. Definitely, because our exposure every day to bacterias, um mm-hmm. ultimately, our body's trying to fight those off. Well, when you have multiple exposures to, to bacteria, the body is trying to maintain new, an immune response. Now, we've already um we've got the evidence again to 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 show that zinc is involved in that immune response you need uh, yeah you need zinc for to mount an adequate immune response and then you also need zinc for dna repair so if you haven't got enough zinc you one you can't mount an adequate response and two you can't repair any damage that's being caused so the cycle just becomes perpetual and goes round and round
0: Mm -hmm. and i just want to say as well as well oxidative stress so if anybody's in a stressful environment that can actually deplete things like zinc and other micronutrients as well. So if they're constantly under stress, like you say, uh, Marcy, in an environment where they go home to, which is stressful, it's got mould in it, it's not a good living environment, you know, for somebody to live in, and it's causing extra stress, of course, that's going to cause depletion there as well, because they're constantly stressed, you know, and they don't have that.
2: And again, I think diet here, as, as we said, we were talking about the gut microbe and everything, and, and about Elisdanos and saying that actually there's no really sort of um, uh, cause then as such. Well, we, again, the the prevalence of bowel disorders and gut disorders in Elisdanos is extremely mm-hmm. high. In and the, for
1: many reasons, right? There, there are several reasons, but yes, I agree with you.
2: Yeah, so, uh, uh, I mean, ultimately um, the gut is, is the key here, we believe, for a start, isn't it? You know, um, so what you're putting in your body um, so, in the gut, for example, the ACE two receptor, and a lot of people have heard of the ACE two receptor recently mm-hmm. because it's um, it's been noted a lot in COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the ACE two receptor again is another zinc dependent mechanism. <laughs> um, so, for me, and and then, if your gut is, as you said, you if you cannot absorb the nutrients or you're not getting the right nutrients, mm-hmm. then. The body, the, the stomach takes that in, but it doesn't take everything. So if you're then taking medications, supplements, um, those things all affect what's going on in your gut. If you drink alcohol, um, even COVID itself affects the gut because of the, it, it, with the ACE2 receptor. So it, it itself affects the gut. If, we, all, we all know what it's like. Like you said, Marcia, when you're feeling really unwell, the last thing you want to do is stand and prepare you know um healthy meals then you're looking for something quick easy and but again that is actually what we're trying to get across is that is then feeding this cycle almost isn't it the cycle mm-hmm. of being unwell because yes yeah so again we've all noticed a change with our diet so again my personal experience i changed to more of a mediterranean diet diet um i was a heavy coca-cola drinker for many many years not, Ooh. not, not promoting Coca Cola.
0: Yeah, not yeah. so, uh,
2: promoting
1: Coca Cola at er, all. Oh.
2: Yeah, no, no, certainly <laughs> no. not. If, no. if anything, the exact opposite. Um, but yes, I, uh, for me, so I cut out lots of things in my diet, is is what I'm trying to get across that I know deep down, then really, they they're not good for me. You know, mm-hmm. we are told things are not good for us to the extent of how they're not good for us is what most people don't understand, unfortunately. Um, So there's lots of products. um, uh, I mean, today's food sources, or Western diet as it's known, uh, is very high in lots of things which are very, very bad for the human body. Number one, because a lot of them deplete zinc for a start, instantly highly processed highly processed yes all the highly processed foods mm-hmm. all the high sugar containing foods and lots of additives in today's uh, produce even things we think are healthy so uh, you know things which are pre-prepared like pre-packed fruits mm-hmm. and things like that ultimately they to, to be in the supermarket they have preservatives in them and, and things to make them last and give them a longer shelf life so but can I take a ready? question
0: Marcia can I ask you a question Marcia? So oh yes. When you go with your patients, okay, and you work with them and clearly nutrition is an important part. What changes have you noticed in your patients?
1: So, uh, obviously I am not a I am a health coach, so I obviously promote and educate them on a healthy diet and on the going for the Mediterranean. I was raised Mediterranean diet. My my gut actually changed when I moved to the U.S. because I wasn't. It was a, a change and an adaptation. I had to fall back into it. But uh, so what I do is I. I literally teach all my patients and what they should be eating and how to recover a, health, a healthy gut, which takes a long time. One of the things I always recommend, and, and if it, in agreement with their healthcare provider, that they start themselves on a probiotic for sure. Uh, that's a huge thing. Um, then I will ask them to try to let go certain things like gluten, for example, if they can minimize or even eliminate, if it's possible. Um, It's probably hard for us all to get rid of gluten 100%. I am guilty of not being 100% gluten-free, but we all should be able to digest that if we had the proper gut bacteria, correct?
0: Uh, Unless
1: we are obviously, we have a condition that where good gluten must be uh, uh, removed, removed the, uh, in, entirely. But uh, I will make always the recommendation of going into some sort of antihistamine or, or Mediterranean diet, right? Uh, Getting into definitely probiotics. Um, I always recommend for them to talk to their physicians and introduce quercetin, vit, uh, vitamin D3, zinc, vitamin C, and, and things like that can support uh, the tissue, the recovery after exercise. And uh, uh, it, the, we notice, in, it's incredible, but just by getting them on a sort of an anti-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory diet, we can see changes in two to three weeks. The gut is incredible. It's within days. It starts to
2: recover yes. itself. I, and I can testify to that 100%, Marcia, with myself. It is, it is literally instant. Within, it's days. within days.
1: Exactly. Yes. Let go of that Coca Cola, lay off on those cakes and processed foods and go into things where you kind of have to chop a little bit and maybe cook from scratch. But you will see the difference. And it is incredible. And actually, or even for uh, patients with uh, uh, GERD, right, gastroesophagic reflux, uh, which end up taking lots of anti-acids, which turns out that will, at the end, cause additional imbalance to the digestive tract and even more dysbiosis. Uh, Once they go into this healthier diet, they don't have GERD as as much or they eliminate completely and now they stop that H2 blocker and they, now all of a sudden their, their microbiome is, is flourishing again and, and their energy levels change, their sleep changes, and then we can actually move forward with the exercises and it, there is no way to not get better uh, if you actually co- manage to go through the first hurdle, which is replenishing your gut.
0: I think it's also important as well this that acceptance for people to change as well and try, because I think that's important as well then, Marcia, because I think some people may find it difficult to yes. change things, you know. And when it comes to diet and your environment and changing it, I think a lot of people might find that overwhelming. But I think once they take that first little step, then when they start seeing the little changes, I think it makes the bigger changes come more quicker for them, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, yes. I mean, Arthritic conditions, Marcia, what are your thoughts? Because, again, this, these types of um, changes are also helpful for conditions, you know, arthritic types, aren't they? Because of the less inflammation, uh, the yeah. le- uh, an infla- anti-inflammatory type diet then.
1: By all means, I completely agree with that. Uh, it's been proven that diet uh, can significantly decrease the tissue inflammation and and the deterioration of the tissue right so if you you can't just expect it and this is what i i, I tell everyone uh, we have to be very careful uh, in thinking that the things these things are going to happen immediately they are not these are things they're going to go very slow because the body needs to heal itself so it's not a magic pill we are, we are trained to expect a magic pill. We want immediate solution, immediate gratification, right? Because it releases a ton of great hormones by immediate gratification. But unfortunately, that's not how it's going to happen. We're going to take what we have to take. We're going to eat what we have to eat. And the body slowly has to, okay, the gut will replenish quickly. But now the tissues in the body are going to be healing at different rates. Some tissues heal a lot faster than others, and then with that healing, we need to, and then start exercise to build resilience to those tissues and strength to those muscles. And it, it is a whole, it's a whole process. This, this is going to take a while. I, I, I will, I, I'm a proof, a living proof of that. Uh, I started on a wheelchair and fast forward and we are looking at about 12 years now, um, from, uh, my first surgery. And I can tell you that each year I can see a progress like this year I took up, um, um this year I took up rowing on, on a stationary rower machine. Uh, last year I actually took up cycling outdoors, uh, the year before. So I started each year I was able to do something better but I didn't start that way. I started my first goal was actually to be able to the small grocery store by the corner here and be able to walk around once, pick up a couple light things and be able to come home. That was my first goal.
2: Yeah, and that you should, you know, um, people need to have realistic expectations as we're trying to say because this is a longer process. So uh you could be looking at a few years before you know yes. before things are completely um getting back on track because the gut surface has to has to heal and it grows back because the information i um the publications i've seen and the evidence i have say that in a deficiency of zinc for example the absorption surface shrinks marcia um so that then has to grow back because it's damaged yes. The it, it, you know it's damaged there and The ACE2 receptor is the the barrier in the gut. Um, It's it's so once that's damaged, things go through. Then yes, exactly, and things that shouldn't go through go through. So ultimately, if we can fix that part, then it's going to stop things going through that it shouldn't. Like because that brain that barrier there is then closed because things are working as they should be.
1: Exactly. I agree. And, uh, and, and we got to remember that zinc has been found to affect the, the, uh, regeneration of muscle tissue, right? Yeah. So if you don't have enough zinc and now you're, so you're, your zinc is low, things are all imbalanced. You have tissue inflammation and now you're trying to exercise and there is no, no zinc to assist on the tissue, uh, the muscle regeneration as one of the things that participate on it, right? Uh, this is definitely not going to work. So everything starts in the gut. That, that's my true opinion. I am a physical therapist, but I truly believe everything starts in the gut. We have to approach everything together.
2: Yeah, I mean we're we're the we're a form of primates ultimately, if we want to go into more of an in-depth thinker, isn't it, Marcia? And ultimately, no other primate species eats a diet like we do. Nope. Uh-uh. And, and and because again, the society we live in, like we said, everything is process preserved. Uh, any other animal or species on the planet doesn't, you know, eat anything that we do. If it does, again, it's usually affected <laughs> and has issues. The same as we do so we've seen studies on primates um chimpanzees um and so on and so forth where again they've uh, performed certain procedures on them and and made them deficient in zinc for example and then some of the things that happen like i said they mimic everything that happens in us marcia they start having problems mm-hmm. <laughs> the same as we do you said about um the zinc being in tissue it's also. I've got papers um, which say that it's in bone remodeling, Marcia. I'm sorry, I missed the last part. Would you repeat the? You got a paper of? I've got papers which mm-hmm. um, indicate zinc as being uh, crucial in and can uh, remodel bone. It's involved oh, in bone remodeling, definitely in bone remodeling. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, Again, I think a lot, a lot of our patients, obviously, or the patients that listen here. Um, us as patients and everybody know that um, the bone problems that an osteoporosis, for example.
1: Yes, and, and definitely bone, bone is uh, zinc is related to bone regeneration. Yes. And, and if the zinc is low, again, and if we look actually uh, at, at the trend of uh, uh, Ehlers-Danlos patients or the hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos patients, which we see the most, uh, uh, there it's more common to be observed. We'll see that a lot of them have osteopenia osteoporosis and if you look further you're going to see the low in zinc. And these are the patients that have the harder the hardest time in actually uh, uh, building
2: muscle as
0: well. Yes, yes. So Marcy, can I if you don't mind so from from a patient point so what's been your most successful out and what have your patients taught you
1: oh my patients I always tell them uh it's a, it's a lesson at each treatment it's incredible each patient's brain each patient brings so much uh uh brings me so much knowledge because uh, if you really sit down with each patient and you pay attention to what they are telling you, and then you address things, we don't treat a diagnosis at the, cl- a diagnosis at the clinic, we treat a person, right? So I, I think the biggest thing that I have learned from my patients is uh, when addressing uh, the, the hypermobility and the hypermobile hypermobility syndrome is... We all come to the to, to to the to our clinicians in a major fight and flight. I think that's the biggest thing uh, that that I learned that I had to address in each one of my patients, so I could see progress, and it's being a huge lesson, and has been probably the main key to the recovery of my patients, Um, listening to them, helping them to regulate and get out of that fight and flight, get out of that um, uh, uh, fear of this being a chronic disorder. And because of that, I will never get better. I only get worse. And once you actually tap on that and you start talking to those patients and you show them that if you slow down, if you take one change at a time, and if you allow, things will come true and they recover. I, I, I almost cried the other day. One of my patients came from, she used to come to the clinic and the crutches and, and the boots. She had the CRPS to one of the feet. And it was just sad to see her because we barely could touch. She was She looked sick. She was really, really sick. And we start working with her really slowly. It took us a long time, actually, about two years for that case. And one of these days, uh, I was sitting. She was late. She was like fifteen minutes late. And I'm sitting in my my uh, my chair, and I could see the elevator doors. And I'm looking out to see if she's coming. All of a sudden, she comes out of the elevator, and she actually ran into the front door of the clinic and what and when I saw her running and because I had not seen that I always pick her up from the front the chair let's go to the back let's talk let's do the exercises. and I was already happy with her progress but when I saw her running inside the clinic by the time she walked in I had tears in my eyes because it's just like oh my god we have gone a long way so I have a couple, uh, so, actually a couple of no, so many cases that we were able to, to get to that, you know, that is, that just makes me feel like I'm actually helping people the way I wanted to. Because
0: I think also as well, some patients forget, you know, even clinicians alike are human. And, you know, I think it's also important that clinicians learn from their patients as well, because like you said, you learn every day. Because the thing is, not all clinicians do know everything about a person's condition or comorbidities, you know?
2: Or lifestyle or habits or anything. Really. Exactly. Yes. And it's so important to
1: look at everything. So when I sit there with my patients on the initial visit, I literally want to know everything. We don't just do, oh, yeah, bend, bend here, bend there. Let me see how you move. Let me see how you walk. Let me test your strength. We don't. We I i don't do that Um, the beginning of the visit is literally tell me about you oh i have that. no i don't want to know what you have tell me about you how was it growing up what were your frustrations yeah were you clumsy people made fun of you were you bullied what are the traumas you went through in your life what was the trigger i'm looking for the trigger I have, I can guarantee you, 100% of my patients, unless I'm the only one that gets the patients that have a trigger, 100% of my patients have had a uh, a trigger that involves either major surgery, major accident, uh, physical or uh, sexual or emotional abuse. Infections is
0: another one?
1: infection something you know there was something major and then after that it triggered everything to get worse not that they didn't have enough uh, some symptoms before like I had them I had a little bit of dizziness I had a little bit of bullet pulling I was like always like oh that's just me
2: but you it know? gave it a big heave ho into the model that we see then is, is heads then is, yeah,
1: exactly
2: yeah exactly it gave it a big shove <laughs> And and for me, like I said, from my research point, it's because it takes depletes the zinc to a level that then processes start malfunctioning, things start going wrong. Yes yeah exactly and then when one thing
1: starts going ho- uh, wrong it seems like everything else starts going wrong it's yeah. like a like domino
0: effect
2: it's like yes. you've been it's like you've been kind of holding it off and teetering on the edge look for quite some time and then that just gives it a massive shove because it depletes levels so there's papers to support like zinc with surgery isn't there? you know um,
0: pregnancy
2: pregnancy you've mm-hmm. got increased requirements puberty um mm-hmm. gross puberty is a huge
1: one yes huge
2: one because you've got something called a zinc flux during puberty which again re- requires an in- uh, an increased amount of zinc um the typical teenage diet does not contain a lot of zinc no, no. way
0: no, no. probably pizza, <laughs> pizza.
2: <Yeah. laughs> At, in the uk um a study was done at the University of, uh, of Birmingham by Dr. Anita Gupta and the prevalence of obesity, um, I think they, it was something like 80% of children were obese. The study is quite limited, a, a small limited area I think it's a school, but there was a higher prevalence of certain things. Um, but definitely the diet, most children's typical diet was chicken and potatoes, that's all. Oh, wow. And they and ate it, less than one small apple a week. But it's
1: true. I mean, if you look at the diet nowadays, we are all so, at least in the US, it, it, you you have lines
2: and lines. Lines
1: out of fast food oh. joints
2: on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> exactly. And then you talk, <laughs>
1: well, don't you know that this or that chain uh, is is bad for I you? I remember because certain chains. And things- they will say... And the, they will the tell you, well, I, yeah, I know it's bad. I know it's bad, but I, I was in a hurry.
2: Uh, yeah, that's it. Because we're all so busy today. People work full, you know, um, years ago, mums were at home and dads went to work. So mums are in the house and dads went to work. And it was, you know, all very, um, we've had, fe- you know, feminism now. We're equal with things. However, now women still do a lot of the things in the house. You know, there's still families. I mean, men do too. But what I mean is you work full time and then do all those things and then you're on the run. So you, people eat quick foods. They, like I said, fast food joints. Um, They pick up pizzas, as we said, and burgers and fried chicken and things which are Mm -hmm. easy and quick. However, nutritional value of those foods is very, very low. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly, but we have to think, too, and we hear a lot of people say, well, but my great-grandparents or my grandparents, uh, they ate the same things because it's a regional type of diet we all eat. It's like, yes, but look at the quality of that back then. If I look at my grandma, my grandpa, they
2: planted. Can I ask something, Marcia? Yes. You said about you changed your diet when you moved to the U.S. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, again, because for various reasons, probably because of food, the food availability, I assume. The different things that were available to you, to what you had available to you in South Brazil.
1: Yes, because when I, when it, when I got here, it was different, right? I, I couldn't figure out certain things. And then uh, when I moved, I didn't have access to really, oh, let me buy a bunch of veggies, chop them, cook them. It was more like, oh, I'm living in a bedroom... Uh, and you know, I can't really, I don't have access to the kitchen to do the cooking that I used to do. And then once you start like leaving out of like eating a lot of breads, a lot, I actually (laughs) that's real. It's fun fact, but it was, it's real for about six months of my first six months in the United States. I lived out of those cups of uh, ramen noodles that you add hot water, (laughs) I don't think I, I was completely depleted of everything other than <laughs> sodium because those things have 1,200 milligrams of sodium in each cup. <laughs> I about lived six months out of that. That was my lunch. And, and if, if I look back at the amount of brain fog, fatigue difficulties sleeping that I had, I, le- I don't even remember that time of my life quite clearly.
2: I feel ex- I've had experiences like that. I, there's periods where I feel like I just can't remember mm-hmm. what actually happened in that period because I was so depleted and everything was just, I felt like I was in a daze constantly. I felt like I was dreaming and, and just yes. floating along basically because and just trying to exist and survive. But mm-hmm. when the changes, did you notice, Barsia, so did you notice a change in your symptoms with, with just eating ramen noodles for, for six
1: months? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was, it was, I think, I, I, I needed so much sleep and I was so fatigued all the time. If I look back and I have been doing an analysis on all those phases of my life, and that was probably the phase of my life that where I was the I was I was getting colds and flus and infections and things and I'm like why am I getting sick? And then when I moved to my own place, where I actually had access to cook and all that, and I kept talking to my mom and she's like, wow, mom, I've, I miss eating this, and she's like, why don't you just don't you make it, you know, just do this way, this way, that way, and I'm like, you know what, why not, and I start going back to buying fresh vegetables, and cooking, and I start noticing my health getting back, and then I was like, I have this time frame, where I like, wow, I can remember pretty much everything I did, (laughs) while the, the, the ramen noodle phase, I, I literally don't remember much, it was almost like living as, as a zombie,
0: I agree there. I'll tell you why, because I've got a story for you quickly. So, a couple of years back before I started to change it and everything, um, I I've, I've couldn't actually remember where I left my phone. So, I had brain fog, memory recall issues. And then I remember it ringing and I just picked it up and I didn't realize it was in the freezer, right? And it was still ringing in the freezer and it was my consultant on the phone. And he's like, Can you hear me? I went, I went Oh, sorry, my phone's frozen. And he just started laughing. He goes, right, he goes, that's a classic sign of you know, you're down in your vitamins and your micronutrients. We need to get you checked because your iPhone shouldn't be frozen, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you never go and put like your, your iPhone brand new in a freezer, you know. I know you know <laughs> it's just like I just looked at it, and I'm like, oh, because well, that's the first time I've heard it in a freezer, normally it's in a fridge. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then it came back to say I was depleted in iron, vitamin D, B12, and folate. And when you knock them all out, you're absolutely exhausted. And if you're living on, you know, lack of nutrients, you will feel exhausted. You know, you will feel tired, and that is a process. Because a lot of people realise the hidden things in food. Like in bread, you have sugar and salt, right? Exactly. People don't know. Yeah. People don't know that. You know, and that's nope. the thing. Look at the back of the ingredients point and go. Actually, what is in this food that I'm eating? Uh, nutritionally valuable for me.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, this is all empty calories, literally. It's giving you calories that's going to make you obese, that's going to make your health suffer, that's going to make you diabetic, that's going to cause heart problems. It's not giving you what you need to get better. So Alexa, people say, oh, I don't have time to get a healthy diet. Uh, okay, so you're going to have to have time to when all those things hit you, you're going to have to have time to go to the doctor. You're going to have to have time to take your medications now to just keep you at bay. You're going to have, it, it's, you got to choose, pick your poison. Either yeah. you live healthy now. So some people tell me, well, it's just so expensive to buy certain things. So, uh, and it's true, right? Have you guys ever seen yeah, buy it. one tomato, get one free? I don't, I don't see that happen. But I do see buy one box of cereal, get another free. Yeah. Yeah. And right?
2: pizzas and, you know, all these things, uh, chicken dippers and uh, what else? Sausages, you know. Things like uh, my
1: they're like, they're like yes. so, so bad for your digestive tract. Look at the amount of colon cancer uh, diagnosis that we see nowadays.
2: Uh, mm. And cases of IBS, IBD, uh, good, uh, all yes,
1: those. celiac.
2: Uh, yes you know we can just keep going and going crohn's
1: all that and, then and the other thing too the portions are are ginormous
2: well again here a lot the foods the compete, don't they marcia so you uh, obviously you've gone to your, your your doctor the a lot of foods compete for absorption so um, yes. and things called phytates and phytic mm-hmm. acid hinder yes. absorption of other of micronutrients
1: Exactly. And, and if, you, if you start eating only foods that are highly processed, I mean, to begin with, your body does not know what to do with things when they're highly processed.
2: The and sugar is very addictive, isn't it?
1: As addictive as cocaine.
2: Yes, there you no go. No
1: joke. I'm not saying that. It's documented. As yep. addictive as cocaine, and if you start and if you start just having and look at everything, everything has sugar added, added. Everything, and then people say, "Oh, I'm smart. I'm gonna get this thing. It's gonna be no sugar added." And then you look, and what is in there? All those sugar uh, uh, substitutes that are actually That's chemical. In. Yes, it's chemical. Break it down, and you're gonna get red poison. You're gonna get other things
2: <laughs> chemically, right? Yeah, like, bugs, isn't it? In carbine, red, red crush bugs. They make red food coloring with. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And i <laughs> like,
1: okay, so isn't that better to if you're gonna have sugar, have high quality sugar, but having the right amount. You don't need. I mean, look at ketchup. Ketchup, three quarters of a tablespoon of ketchup is sugar.
2: And like we said, sugar is very addictive. Mm-hmm.
1: Sugar is very addictive. Have you ever have you ever guys seen the experiment of getting a soda, cola, and and cooking it until you evaporate all the yeah. water, doesn't it? The goo that you get? Yeah. Have you guys ever heard when people say, oh, you, you your toilet's clogged? just put some cola in it and wait or if you have some (laughs) rust on your car bumper just drop some soda it will clear like really if you can't unclog a toilet with it and get rust out of your car bumper i think we have a problem drinking that
0: (laughs) It's it's a true fact and also what i actually wanted to ask if you don't mind marcia is when you talk to patients about changing their diet, do you ever have any, like, confrontations or issues of them wanting to change?
1: So, yes. 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 And there are many reasons why that happened. And, uh, I, I, you know, as a clinician, I have to be able to present what is going to happen, uh, what's going to help someone, but I also have to be sensitive to how they are going to receive that. And there is many reasons. For example, I had a case, uh, this girl, she comes to me, she's wearing a lot of compression uh, garments and she uh, has a dog to help her because she is uh, severely, uh, uh, she has severe symptoms uh, uh, of POTS, right? Mm -hmm. And, She's like, my heart rate is always elevated and I barely can move around. Everything spins around me and I have this pounding headache. And I'm looking at her with this 30 ounces cup of coffee with a bit of cream. And then she has a a regular 16 ounces bottle of uh, water with her. And I'm like, hmm something is in, is reversed here right and then i tell her well um how, oft, how 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 much coffee is in there she's like oh this is my favorite drink i actually drink about two of these a day that's 60 ounces of coffee wow wow And then when I told her, you know, the coffee increases your heart rate, that coffee will cause the dizziness as well, the coffee will cause. And I went on and on what coffee could cause contributing to her POT symptoms. And I was very careful in saying that. And she was like, "Nope, that's non-negotiable. I am not changing that. And there was, she wow. literally, eventually she dropped out of treatment because that was a non-negotiable and she couldn't tolerate the exercises because, uh, I mean, she was de- chronically dehydrated. She told me that she would drink about two or three uh, bottles of uh, the, the the regular size bottles of water, the 16 ounce ones. And she was drinking about the one I saw in front of me was a 30 ounces and I, I won't go into name of br- chains of uh, coffee. Yeah. Right. But it's a, it's a place that sells a 30 ounces one. And that's what she had there. And she said she has two of those a day. And then she complained, i not sleeping, elevated heart rate. So these are people that this type of people, I cannot confront. I can make a recommendation and I can I have to, if they're not, a person needs to be open. Mm. To be able to change. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not even because they don't want. is the fear of change.
2: Yeah. Yes. yeah. There's definitely. a
1: lot of fear. Because you're used to a certain way. And sometimes. And I will tell you this for my. Because it happened to me. Sometimes we are sick for so
2: long. Yeah. You don't know how you cope. Do you? You don't know how you'll cope without your coffee. Because it's what gets you through the day. And not only that you don't know
1: what to do with your life if you get better yeah you don't know you don't know like oh my god i I, I, what what, wait i I, you identify and i can tell you because it was me i identify so much and being that way that when i start getting better i was like whoa what is this this is new
2: yeah what's going on i I can like do things that i used to be able to do before i got sick in the first place and um because you do you know a lot. Some people. Everyone's affected differently, aren't they? But most people see an uptake of their symptoms, like we, like we said, during periods of their life. In heads, they mm-hmm. tend to start having problems during either through the growth period. So from birth, mm-hmm. then they'll start having problems. Then through early childhood, again a growth period, about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. I usually starts with gastrointestinal symptoms in children. Starts first first. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, then you'll move into the teenagers. So when they start hitting puberty, they start mm-hmm. getting, again, more symptomatic behavior, because, again, yes. it's another growth period. So you have another increased requirement for zinc. And then now they
1: are teenagers. So they're yeah, meant, 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 they meant to disagree with you. Now they're meant to disagree with you whatever you try to tell them. For yeah. every solution you give them, they give you a problem. <laughs>
2: Yep, most definitely. <laughs>
0: and I think the thing is as well from that point, when you're going through them growth here, this is why epigenetics is important, like environment yep. and infections, viruses, and your diet. Because, you know, when you're growing, you need a lot more nutrients, don't you? Let's be honest with yes. ourselves. Because especially yeah, in the teenage yeah. years, you need yes, to so. catch up with the growth aspect. So your body's going, hello, I need vitamins, I need micronutrients, minerals, hello. And that's the thing. That's why they have them fluxes. But I just wanted to ask you one final question before we start wrapping up there, Marcia. Yes. And you if- know,
1: before before you ask me that question, though, I just want yeah. to say one thing With to, to wrap up on that question you asked me how to address the patients in terms of, uh, of uh, the nutritional aspect. Uh, th- this is a process by itself. So at the clinic... Um, what i do is we go very slowly and in terms of okay well let's let's do a, ta- a challenge let's uh, what what is the 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 one food you are uh you, you would commit with me in changing and we go one by one because if i get to you and i tell you listen you got to stop sugar you got to stop eating gluten and you got to stop eating your burgers and you got to stop eating they're
2: like i'd rather be dead. Because she's Actually, taking everything.
1: The only pleasure I have is this foods now. I am sick and you're I'll, taking them I'll all. I'll
2: testify, me. Marcia, that I went cold turkey then and went straight in for it and went straight to eating healthy. Okay. And I But am, not everyone
1: me. is not everyone has that courage.
2: Yeah. Oh no. But I thought,
1: it's, well, it takes a lot because yeah. it, that's the only comfort you have in being sick. That makes you feel good. That, that those foods hit your pleasure centers and make you say, that's why they're called comfort foods, right? They yes. hit your pleasure yes, centers. Uh, and all of a sudden you go cold turkey, not everyone is ready for that.
2: But what I was going to say was I went cold turkey and did that and literally stopped straight away and, and made the change and started eating. And I noticed, I told you, my bowel. Um, the symptoms straight away yeah so my gastro symptoms went were straight away Um, and then I stopped actually wanting those things after a couple of days so you know when they say about um, when you give up cigarettes and smoking the Mm -hmm. cravings get less and less look after a couple of days don't they as the toxins leave your body yes Mm -hmm. yeah well actually I had exactly the same experience I Actually, those things now sort of, I they don't taste the same Marcia because I once or twice I thought, mm, and I wanted to see for myself, and the taste has changed in my mouth. I don't enjoy it, and I don't even want it anymore. I don't have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's
1: all acquired taste, and that's another thing we have to bring into consideration because it's easy to talk diet and to tell people to change their diet, but we've got to remember it, the, the heads has... A bunch of other diagnoses that coexist. That that's what we have. And we have to remember that texture issues are huge in patients with heads. A lot of those patients have issues with texture. The ones that are in the autism spectrum have issues with textures. We have to remember that telling them to eat certain foods, it's like it's like telling them to put something that we would never put in our mouths and swallow sometimes because for them it feels that bad. And we have to also understand regionalisms. Uh, Like some people, uh, like let's say you get this island, desert island, or not desert because people should live there in order to illustrate what I'm saying, but you get this island all the way far and they leave out of everything that's produced on the island. So the fishes or any animals that are there and coconuts and plants And all of a sudden, you bring them a Big Mac. They're going to look at you and say, no way that I'm eating this. This is horrendous. This is horrible. And then you get someone that's raised on the standard uh, diet, like eating burgers and and only boxed stuff. And then you bring them something healthy, like a salad or maybe some sushi or something. And they're going to look at you and say, are you out of your mind? I'm not eating raw fish. I'm not eating these things. This tastes horrible. And then if you think, have
0: sex, go ahead. I was going to say to that. So, um, you know, I think problem there, Marcia, as a whole, I think education. So when yeah. we're growing up, you know, when we are in school, you know, I, when I was in school, I was never really taught about where to get my nutrients from. I wasn't. I'll put my hands up now and say that. That's in the British side of things. I don't know about the American, and I'm sure you will tell me that. Uh, but I think if we started at the basics again in life, you know, so when you go to school, they teach you about nutrition and diet and where to get the correct vitamins and micronutrients from. I think it would have a huge impact.
2: Because I think that, it needs to be across the community. Yeah, school, Because ultimately those children, the, the, the food that they eat is supplied by the parent. Yeah.
1: And if they are people in general, if people are not educated on how food can change their lives and how food causes this major impact in their lives, no one is educated on that in the school. I mean, what did they serve in a school in general? Right. It's not healthy food. Nope. And if we really go back in history, and we look at one of, uh, like one of the most outstanding figures in history of medicine, which is Hippocrates, he said, "Let food be thy medicine, let medicine be thy food." Our bodies can build everything from healthy foods. Yeah, we can get
2: it. Actually, had has hypermobility, didn't he? Exactly. That's yeah. what it said. That's
1: what it's uh, documented. He also and, said
2: like the good side of the sun, i.e., vitamin D.
1: Yes.
2: That it's yeah, it,
1: I agree. And and so if we if we really go back to the basing, that's why I what I'm actually putting together now is a course on gut that is going to be meant to my patients or to patients in general because I, I i got to the conclusion and no one is going to change my mind on that that there is no way for us to actually get and and get uh, cover good ground with patients if we don't fix their guts
2: and so um, i'm i'm pre- i made this course today, Martha, to, to, to educate these, them do you think it's hard for people to get the, the right balance of nutrients today because for, can you explain so Most people think malnutrition is somebody who is very underweight, but actually malnutrition is somebody who's overweight too, isn't it? Because it shows that there's an imbalance of the the nutrients that they're getting.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, There there are people there. uh, (laughs) It's incredible to look at that, but with the availability of foods that we have in certain parts of the world, and then we look at someone overweight and they are actually malnourished, Yes. It, it, it's 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 puzzling it, it's incredible but it's true uh food is available but the habits or the priorities have turned upside down that's kind of how i like to see it uh money is being invested on things that bring uh short- term pleasure and and not invested on things that, ma- that matter the most which is the proper nutrition the ver- and also the fact that now there's another thing too the fact that we we can have food any time of the year any food any time of the year the foods
2: are not following the, the seasons anymore no correct That's right, Right? because everything's produced, mass-produced constantly now. So, you know, um, strawberries, raspberries and things were winter berries because they're antioxidants. Because in the cold weather and and the lack of food sources, because of the climate, we need more antioxidants during that period.
1: Exactly. And now, unfortunately, because of all that variety uh, that we have all year round, what ends up happening is that we always eat the same things. We're creatures of habits. If we, if we acquire a bad habit in, in eating processed foods, that's all we're going to eat. And if, even if we eat healthy, but all we eat is like, oh, I eat healthy. I eat, let, I eat lettuce, tomatoes, strawberries, apples, bananas, and asparagus.
2: Actually, lettuce contains phytates. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> just, just right. to throw that in there, just for one of those things, yeah. I know, just, just to say, right? <laughs> and, and if they're slightly rotten, for example, some of those they may contain something called solanine, which is poisonous to us. Mm. Yes. Yes.
1: It's right. So now we, we, we only eat those very, re, that, that very small amount of different things, and we are not getting nutrition from the other colors. Or the other things that should be introduced in certain seasons, and and I come from South Brazil, so we we have very marked seasons, right? Mm-hmm. And we back then, being here for twenty four years in the U.S., we were we would find in the grocery store what was the season. So winter, well, you're gonna eat what is available for winter. You're not gonna find strawberries in the winter. Now your body doesn't even know where you are because you're eating everything and you're just eating a very small amount of choices. So making sure they introduce foods that are pertinent to that season that you are in is very important as well. Not just making it healthy, but also making sure it belongs to that season. I'm not saying don't have strawberries the winter if you want it. But I'm saying making sure that the majority of your diet matches the season you are
0: living in at that moment in time. So just one final question for me then, Marcia, before we wind things up. Mm-hmm. So what's the um, people with EDS and physical therapy moving forwards and aspects of nutrition?
1: My hope. My hope is that we can actually, my, my hope is really big. It's almost like I have a dream speech type of thing, so I'm going to okay. resume it. <laughs> I'm going to shorten it because I don't want to make it long. But I, 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 my, my hope is that all clinicians in general communicate because it's really important that we all can talk about what's happening, that physical therapists understand the impact of the nutrition and the uh, gastrointestinal uh, disorders that this patient has and how that impacts their progress in physical therapy Uh, and and in physical activity in general and physical exercise in general. It's that uh, we get together with nutritionists and dietitians, and we can get into... you know, an open conversation where we can see, okay, now that you're being able to introduce this to your patient, I know I can move forward in the physical therapy aspect with these progresses that I'm looking at for this patient to actually really get better. Uh, I really wish we all could communicate more, that there was more, uh, less of the um, current Approach in general for all diagnoses, where uh, no one talks to no one, and each person treats the one body part and only that body part or system, and that we actually communicate and use that communication to the one common goal, which is making that one person better. That, that's my goal, my 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 hope and my and my aim and moving forward always, and that's what I try to do with my patients at the office, honestly.
0: And I think it's important, like you say, for like clinicians to communicate because then you can make correlations together, which exactly. might actually lead to further research and actually opportunity for more cures or treatment plans. You know,
1: exactly. And and, and the understanding of uh, you know if that like we we spoke about zinc, if that patient is that low and depleted in zinc, and you're trying to strengthen that patient, obviously there are other aspects and other things that are part of it. It's not the only the zinc, but what if you're not making progress? I mean, if that patient is that depleted, can you maybe make a referral? Can you spot that because another clinician missed and say, hey, I noticed this? Go to a diet, uh, to a nutritionist. Go talk to your physician. Uh, you know, let's carry this as a let, let's all have one common goal, which is making that person better instead, just like. Okay, take this, come back in six weeks. Oh, you're not making progress. I don't know what you have. Go back to your doctor and things like that. And one keeps pushing to the next and the patient is sitting in the middle and just like hopeless.
2: I think it's important for human life, really, that diet and education about diet and nutrition is is pivotal now uh, to survival of the human race because ultimately... You can, you can put band-aids on something or plasters on it, Marcia, um, mm-hmm. lower down the pathways. But if you're not treating the root cause of that problem, it's going to keep occurring and it's going to keep causing mm-hmm. problems in other avenues. So it's okay. like you're putting out one fire, but then another fire starting.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. So, I agree. Treating the root cause is essential. And honestly, uh, I always say you cannot pour from an empty cup. Uh, if if you don't heal a person from inside out, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, there there is no progress to be made. There's nothing no one will be able to do. So just giving pills, just uh, trying to push them through exercises, uh, or doing surgeries or adding braces, or that's that's never going to be enough.
0: Well, I just wanted to say then, Marcia. So thank you for coming on the podcast day you've been wonderful as ever um it's been really informative and i'm sure all the people listening to the podcast would uh really enjoy as well because it gives them you know information only but as i said previously you know please all of our podcasts are for information only and for people to seek the correct medical advice from a registered professional so thank you very much again marcia we shall leave it there and um thank you again and we hope to invite you on again hopefully there marcia Yes. Thank
1: you, Marcia. Yeah, that was that was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Great conversation as always. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day.
0: You. Thank to you. Bye. 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 Bye-bye.